I'm a god. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? I'm a god. There wasn't one today. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of It's Time to Rewind, a podcast stuck in its own time loop right along with the movies we discuss. In this season, we're taking a look at Groundhog Day, After Day, After Day, After Day. I'm your host, Bubbleweed, from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights, and in this episode, we're discussing Phil's 24th Groundhog Day that starts at 59 minutes and 37 seconds, with Phil smashing the clock radio to bits, and ends at 64 minutes and 30 seconds with a flaming truck containing the remains of Phil and Phil. This episode does contain brief discussion about depression and suicide. We try to keep things light here, but if that's a sensitive subject for you to listen to, you might want to skip ahead to episode 28. And my guest today is The Vern from Cinema Recall. How are you doing today? I feel good, Bubbleita. I feel... I don't know, maybe honored and a little bit scared that you brought me along on an episode that contains depression. Hopefully, we can up late in the mode a little bit here on the show, but I feel very honored to be on this podcast with you. Yeah, thanks for coming. It's, it's, I think, feel like it's been a long time since we've done a podcast together. I know. It has been, man, but I'm always glad to see you back on. I uh, loved your Film Wise series. And I'm glad you're back with this. This is a very fascinating subject, and there's tons of movies with great time loops. So you should be able to be on for season after season, and Groundhog's Day is a, a great start off for sure. Yeah, speaking of that, did did you have uh, – is there any, like, other time loop movies that, that you're familiar with? Like, maybe some lesser-known ones that uh, that you enjoy <sighs> and you want to talk a little bit about? And not so much lesser known, I was a big fan of the Netflix series Russian Doll. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that one very much. Uh, I also was a big fan of uh, the Andy Sandberg feature, The Palm Springs. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying that. So that that's one that I I'm really need to get around to sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I'm sure there are other ones, but those are just the main ones that really just kind of like – pop in my head first of all uh especially of course you know groundhog's day uh but yeah just those ones for sure the russian dolls and the palm springs all right and then you know going back to the today's loop you know it that starts off and uh, this is kind of a continuation of the the previous ones that i recorded with heather and you know this time he completely smashes the clock to bits and uh, according to movie lore murray couldn't fully destroy it just by throwing it to the ground so (laughs) the clock actually they had to pummel it with a hammer to get it into pieces that we see on screen with all the pieces spread out and i got you babe is still coming from the speakers (laughs) and that actually was true that it was actually still working and you can kind of see that all the cable, like all the necessary cables, are still attached to where it could still be working, even if it's in those tiny little pieces. That, yeah, that's that is amazing because when you see the clock reel is being smashed all the bits, and you just see it's just like one little speaker playing the songs, and like, oh, so all the rest of the stuff in that clock radio is just for decoration. It's not for the actual music. Uh, you see the inner workings of the clock itself. Uh, this is like, we can definitely agree that this is probably Phil Connors' lowest moment. I mean, he was trying to romance Rita, 
and it just backfired uh, mainly because in you know the previous scene uh, he knows that it's his last night to see her and she just says he says he loves her and she just goes you know you hardly know me you know how can you know someone or fall in love in just one night yeah so he's feeling depressed I uh, used to be very happy when the days repeated because he could manipulate things you know he could manipulate the girls uh, around town and now he can't do that with Rita and he's just a low point yeah and and this is really where he like in the in the time loop structure this is where he is really actively trying to escape the time loop because mm-hmm. for all the the previous days you know he was he started off being confused by it and then he started enjoying it mm-hmm. and then whenever he wasn't able to get Rita, like whenever he wasn't actually able to twist the day into something that benefited him by, you know, conquesting Rita, then this is where he's depressed and he's trying to find a way out of the loop. And mm-hmm. and in a small way, he's been doing this before by breaking the clock, which, uh, you know, I felt like the clock is one of the representations of at least in in terms of what we see in the movie it's like the thing that he can focus on that's bringing him back every morning at 6 a.m and so that's the first thing that he tries to destroy yeah that is true um he because it doesn't he like uh i i might be confused my timeline here too but doesn't like Rita actually stay with him up a little bit longer? That is, and then... that's in the twenty eighth day. That that's the okay. day after your your guest spots where he's okay. Start okay. saying I'm, I'm a of... god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of things already right there. So it's still kind of confusing. <laughs> I mean, uh, even when I rewatch this movie again, so like the first two loops kind of go the same. You know, it goes to the Groundhog's Festival. Um, and then what? It wasn't until I I wrote this down here, because um, I think it happens after the third time he doesn't even do his job. He goes to a doctor, then goes to a, a shrink. Uh, the the drunks at the local bar just talk about you know there's no consequences for your actions. Uh, he can like around day four, day five, he can start manipulating this girl. Uh, then I think after that. I get really confused about how many days, especially when he's at the theater with another girl. They're going to play this costume uh, movie event. That's where I kind of lose track of how many days it's been. Like, how many other days has he been going this time loop and trying to seduce these other girls? And I just get really kind of lost after that. And it it doesn't help that the that this movie has been studied by a lot of different people and nobody comes to the same number. Like okay. anything, everybody has like in the low range, you got like maybe five years. And then in the long range, you get up to like 10,000 years, which is okay. wow. more like, a, that's more like uh, within the Buddhist philosophy is like the 10,000 years in, in, in order to reach Nirvana. But also you get like, um, I think the one just below the 10,000 years is about 70 or 80 years, like basically a lifetime was what 
Danny Rubin, the author, has said, at least at one point, that he felt like Phil spent at least one entire lifetime trapped in Groundhog Day. Well, I don't think that uh, he's quite at the Buddhist in that beginning. Uh, He still pretty much wants to get out of this time loop, but now Phil's in this spectrum where he's going, well, shit, I'm stuck. I can't get out of this at all. There's nothing I can do. So at the beginning, he's like, well, I'm just going to have fun with this. You know, I can rob an armored car. Um, I can get these girls to sleep with me. And now he had that. He's like, you know what? Maybe we should talk to Rita here a little bit and just going to try to seduce her. So he starts to repeat things. Or he starts to learn things about her, but all he's doing is just saying things that she likes. Mm-hmm. And he's not really trying to, to he's not really trying to, to get to know her. He just wants to repeat things that she likes. So she talks about, you know, her favorite drink and, you know, toaster world peace. And so he remembers things about her, but that's not really getting to know her. And she kind of sees that, you know, when they're back at his place and the date's going really well, uh, you know, accordingly, it's going just fine. And but when he tries to make the move, you know, she's like, no, this is just too soon. I mean, I really like you. It looks like she wants to see him again, but in her mind, she's thinking she's thinking that she can see Phil tomorrow, and Phil's like, no, I won't be able to see you tomorrow. You won't know me then. I'll just become a nobody, and I got to do this thing all over again. Uh, but in her mind, she's going, well, you put the movies on too fast, your buddy, and how can you actually love me if you don't actually know me? You're just saying things that I like, and that's not actually love. And that's where Phil thinks love is, just agreeing or having the same common interests and that's not exactly what love is but to phil that's what he thinks love is right and and you know coming back to today's loop i think it's interesting because he does tell rita you know we had a beautiful day once and mm-hmm. he gives her a kiss because in in phil's mind and this is part of the the whole depression it's like he's just broken up with a woman who completely f- has forgotten that he exists. Like, you know, she knows that he exists, but he, she's completely forgotten that they ever dated. Yeah. And, and so that's, uh, that, you know, like you said, that leads to all the clock smashing. Uh, then uh, this time he actually does go back to his job to cover the Groundhog Festival. And that's when he decides to, he thinks now instead of it being the clock being the problem, now it's actually the groundhog. Right. And so he decides to kidnap the groundhog and just go out driving with them. Um, I, I found this very interesting, too. Do you know the movie Drive Angry with Nicolas Cage? I'm aware of it, but I've never, I never saw it. Okay. Well, the filmmakers of Drive Angry have stated that they got the title of that movie from this one because <laughs> when Bill Murray is driving with the groundhog and he goes, don't drive angry, don't drive angry. <laughs> and the filmmakers of that says, yes, we're going to name our latest Nicholas Cage B movie after that scene. So, and I, I think it's interesting, you know, looking at this loop, you know, this is right in the middle of his depression spiral. Mm-hmm. And yet it turns into a miniature, a four-minute action movie sequence. <laughs> Just like out of nowhere. Yeah, so you have the cops chasing after him. Um, you have the uh, Brian Dolan Murray and all the uh, Positani Phil judges or, you know, the 
mayors of the town chasing him. Uh, then he also got uh, the actors of Chris Elliott and Annie McDowell chasing after them. Uh, I, I find Chris Elliott kind of uh, kind of an odd, not so much an odd character, but his motives seem very kind of odd. I don't think he likes Phil Connor that no, much. Definitely not. <laughs> and I, he's going on this role with them. I secretly think that uh, Chris Elliott's character either A, uh, wants to put moves on Rita, but also B, just kind of wants to get the hell out of there and have a drink somewhere else, doesn't want to deal with this guy anymore. Uh, so he's chasing them down, and he's videotaping everything. He's hoping to catch Phil in a compromising video so that he can take over his job. Like, he's hanging around, because I guess in this local TV station, uh, Phil's kind of a big deal, and Chris Elliott's just a cameraman. Maybe, I, I could see that. And and I noticed in the, the previous weather report where Phil was angry just a few days ago, and also in this one where he's not as angry, but he's definitely unhinged, that Rita is, she is, like, clutching onto Larry, like, almost... Like onto his shoulders in kind of a weird way that, like, like she's almost using him for protection or or comfort in in a mm-hmm. weird way. Yeah, it's almost like kind of like uh, I'm sure that both uh, Larry, that's the uh, character played by Chris Elliott, and then Rita's Annie McDowell. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. they have like a nice like sibling relationship. Like they've probably been working together on set for a long while. And they know well, I mean, that Rita uh, is the Rita is the brand new producer. So I'd imagine that, you know, this is Larry's first time working with Rita as well. Just oh, like it's Phil's first time working with Rita. See, I, I see. I got the notion here that she was just uh, moved from one station to another. Like she's been around for a while. But, but she just got promoted to producer. Okay. She got promoted to producer. Okay. I when you say promoted to producer, I thought maybe she got promoted from a different station. Okay. Well, I missed that whole, whole completely part right there where she said promotion. And well, they, I mean, they never say promotion in like in, in the movie. They just say that she's the new producer. So you could oh, oh. you could theorize that you know maybe she worked in the station and she did know Larry and Phil. But now she's their boss, boss. where she wasn't their boss before. Or they could have brought her in, and this is her just meeting them for the first time. Yeah, that could be too. But I I still get the sort of feeling that both Larry and Rita kind of knew each other. Like either colleagues at college or something like that, or just something where, you know, they knew – they were like – Friends of friends, like maybe a few of their friends dated and they kind of met each other through that. And then they both got around the same job. And maybe then... they both worked at San Diego where Chris Elliott said that he was filming the Swallows at uh, San Capistrano. Yeah, that's pro- probably could be. And they both have this sort of like weird, uh, I guess, uh, they, they like Phil. They think Phil's a funny guy, but they don't much want to hang out with them outside of work. And Larry's gets to the point too, like, oh, I got to spend and actually a weekend with this guy because they're they're going up there for just like one day. That's the idea, like go up one night, shoot the stuff in the morning, and then leave the same day. And that's just kind of the idea. And so Larry just goes to this this uh, event 
with the mindset that he's going to be around this egotistical guy for just one day. But hey, I'll see his friend Rita for a little bit, and yeah, why not? Gets paid for it. It should be just fine. Oh, and and I think that that this day uh, gives Chris Elliott some of his best lines in the movie because he, oh. he gets the he gets to say you know. Uh, Reed is like, why would anyone steal a groundhog? And Chris Elliott's like, I can think of a couple reasons. Pervert. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I think if you look into it, that's that I think is more telling towards Larry's personality than it is Phil's. That that's you know where his head was going to. And but I was I was wondering if this it kind of ties in with the urban legend, which. I, I remember at that time surrounding Richard Gere and a gerbil. Oh, what? <laughs> You've never heard that urban legend? I've never heard of Richard Gere and a gerbil before. <laughs> well, I, w- I won't spoil it for you. You can look it up. Later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, I've heard of other things. I've, I've heard of other things, you know, with like a, a gerbil, you know, before. Uh, there is a uh, scene in uh, Sizzle B Demented by John Waters involving. A hamster, uh, not gerbil, maybe it's a gerbil, maybe it's a hamster, I don't know, but I've heard about stuff, you know, involving small pets in places, uh, but not that actor and a gerbil, uh, but anyway, so he's being chased, Phil is being chased by cops, and as well as, you know, we said Larry and Rita and the cops, and they chase him into, like, this quarry, I guess it is. Yeah, it's, uh... Limestone Quarry. Limestone Quarry. And then he uh, turns around and he drives a car off a cliff and he crashes. And my favorite thing is Larry comes out and goes, and he goes, huh, he might be okay. And that's when the car explodes. <laughs> and then he's like, well, probably not now. <laughs> probably not now. <laughs> Very much a uh, kind of Louis Tunes thing. Like when the car did you know, crash to really amp up the uh, absurdness of it is to have a bird land and then have it explode. Just like a little <laughs> feather. This movie could definitely used some of that because uh, even though this movie gets into like kind of heavy subjects, it handles it in almost a Warner Brothers Looney Tune style. Of yeah, Halloween. and you know th- this is like in in the middle of of his depressive. Sp- spiral and this is you know the the first time that he act that he actively kills himself in the loop yeah but it's so funny because you know he has all the scenes with him talking to the groundhog and that the groundhog itself is adorable and oh yeah of of course he does bill murray uh, i guess he did get bit a couple times working with the groundhog and, and had to get his rabies shots Oh, but geez, they, yeah. they got some some great shots with the groundhog. And then I, I also think it, it's fun, like whenever you see the, the truck turn around and you see it off in the distance where it's mm-hmm. clearly, or not clearly, but where it's most likely a stunt, stunt driver and not Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. But they actually do go to the effort where you can see movement to where it's probably a puppet, but you can see the groundhog uh, and the steering wheel, even off in the distance, you can see like a little bit of movements that's clearly supposed to be the groundhog, whether it's, I, I doubt that it's the actual groundhog with the stunt person, but it's most likely like a, a puppet. Hey, kudos to them for doing good puppet work. 
especially on the groundhog. I know there are some shots where it's a, a real groundhog, but I imagine, like you said, there's probably are a few close-up shots or faraway shots where it is a puppet, and you know th- they do a good job. I gotta say, uh, it's probably my favorite furry creature with Bill Murray next to the uh, gopher in Kashyyyk. Yeah, and I think that this is, I think, one of the most iconic scenes in this movie. I mean, did, did you watch the Super Bowl ad from just a couple years ago? I did not. Uh, come to think of it, didn't uh, Harold Ramis also dread Caddyshack? I do not remember, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Bill Murray there. No, but what happened in the uh, Super Bowl ad? Um, well, it's, you know, they bring back Bill Murray... And uh, Brian Doyle Murray and um, uh, Stephen Tobolowski and Bill Murray recreates basically your Groundhog Day. He wakes up, but then it's a it's a an ad for like a an off road SUV. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then he steals he steals the Groundhog again. Like you know, mostly it's Bill Murray just going not again because you know they play the the Sonny and Cher. But since it's a, a car ad, you know, you just see him driving around in the, the car doing a bunch of stuff with the groundhog and actually enjoying it rather than, you know, being stuck in there. You know, that is amazing that you mentioned that because I've known that there's been trouble on the production of Groundhog's Day. Uh, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray had a falling out. And they have worked previously together, of course, with Ghostbusters, and he directed, Kel Remus did direct Caddyshack, um, but I did know that there was some troubles going on with the set of Groundhog's Day, so it's kind of cool to see that Bill Murray still did a uh, callback to that movie that he had issues with. And I know that they reconciled their problems before Harold Ramis passed away, mm-hmm. um, but I just found it to be kind of fascinating. Maybe he did this as a tribute to his friend. Yeah, the, I think the the big issue with Bill Murray was this. Uh, during filming, he was having you know issues with his wife that would eventually lead to a divorce. Okay. So he was going through a lot of personal issues, and then that combined with the the two of them didn't fully see eye to eye on where the the direction that the movie wanted to go. Like I believe it was Harold Ramis actually wanted to inject more comedy into the movie. And Bill sure. Murray was the one pushing for more dramatic moments. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, made made sense. And uh, I think that the bal- the movie actually does balance out the comedy and the drama stuff very well. And, and I think that this is, you know, a, a very good, like a pressure release uh, from in, but mixed in with all the 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 really dark and depressive moments of of Bill Murray's character in in this point in in the time loop, and I think it, it's it's effective even though it's looking at it and talking about it by itself. It just seems like it comes out of nowhere. Oh, yes, very much so. Uh, yeah, especially after he does like crash the car. Here's a weird thing too. Usually we are seeing this in a movie from Phil's perspective. He's like our avatar. He's like the audience avatar. We're seeing everything through his perspective. Uh, after Phil does crash his car and it blows up, uh, we're coming to a scene in the morgue. Uh, well, we're, we're not there yet. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we save that one for whenever we actually get there. That's a couple, 
couple more episodes later, so I'm I'm gonna Is stop he... you there. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought yeah. if you crashed his car that they show a scene of him in the morgue. No, that that's not that's not yet. That's oh gosh, I'm that's sorry. I'm getting, my, <laughs> I'm getting my time things all confused here. Okay, you're right. Okay, yep, you're right. All right. Um, was there anything else that that you wanted to say about this day with just with the the groundhog and the uh, truck explosion? The truck explosion there. Yeah, no, it's a very kind of slightly humorous thing, even though because we know that the character's at the low point right now. He has no way of getting out. So in his mind, he's thinking, well, shoot, that's it. I can't continue on like this anymore. I just got to just end it. And he kind of knows that he's probably going to wake up anyways because he's tried other things before. He's tried to, you know, he's tried to be arrested and just nothing works. So he's just kind of stuck in this time loop. There's nowhere else to go. So he's figured, I'll just try one more thing. I I actually think that that he thinks that this might actually work because he does yeah. take the moment to basically say goodbye to Rita. You know, he says yes. that I'm at my end. Mm-hmm. And then, so I, I think in his mind at the moment, and especially what happens in the next morning, which, which I'll bring that up in the next episode. But I, I do think that he believes that this very well could end the loop for him. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Well, you know, thank you for joining me today and I'll have you back here for uh, some more death and, and destruction. But... <laughs> That's what I'm here for, Bubba Weed. I'm here for the, the death and destruction here. If you need someone to talk about death, that's that's me. I'm your guy. All right. But why don't you go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you online? Oh, of course. Uh, you can find me on the website, cinemarecall.net. And you can follow us on the uh, social meds at Twitter at cinema underscore recall. All right. And as always, I'm Bubba Weeds, and you can find me at flights, tights, and movie nights.com. You can find me on Twitter at Bubba Wheat, and that you can find the show. It's time to rewind on anchor.fm as well as anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. And we also have a Facebook group. It's time to rewind a time loop group where you can join and discuss the episodes and other time loop movies and TV episodes. Uh, you know, well, we're welcome for any sort of discussion and memes there. And, you know, I am not planning on kidnapping a groundhog, at least not in the near future. I'm a god. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? I'm a god. There wasn't one today. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry.